You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with me, Ian O'Connell, is Dara Okineda. Dara is from Tralee and is living with a condition that left him fully blind since the age of 16 years old. Sit back and enjoy the show. Dara, thanks a million for coming on today and I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. How are you keeping? You're enjoying the sun, are you today? You are? Uh, I'm doing really well. Actually, I'm absolutely loving the sun. It's, uh, it's a gorgeous day outside. I just came back from a walk with the dogs and it's absolutely amazing outside. Do you like getting out for the walk? I do. Yeah, I really do. It's um, I really like getting outside and just go for a walk with the dogs and just, just being outside in general. And I'm a big fan of the sun, even if the sun might not be the, <laughs> the biggest fan of me. Um, the, the factor 50 has to go on when I go outside, to be all honest. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be the same now ever since I had my accident and I, you know, sitting in the wheelchair, the tops of my legs get oh, to 10 stop. and then the rest of my legs, they're, they're white because the sun is <laughs> straight down on my knees. Oh, stop. Very good. Um, I'll, I I like to bring all my guests kind of back to the, back to the start and we'll, we'll work our way through your story then. Do you want to mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about yourself and your, your childhood growing up and what, what was that like? Um, yeah, so um, as you said, I'm, I'm here in Tralee, I'm uh, born in Tralee, and um, just pretty much been in Tralee all my life. I moved to Cork there for a few years in the middle, but uh, yeah, pretty much been in Tralee uh, all my life. Um, went to, kind of educated through Irish, went to Goyle School of Gasman and then on to Goyle Clos de Kiri afterwards. Um, so Irish, big, big part of my life. And um, Goyle Gore, are you, you're fluent in it, so are you? Uh yeah I am yeah I am fluent. So I'm absolutely loving it because it's a big just a big part of my life. Um, and it kind of seems that like Irish even nowadays that it's kind of, um, I don't know what I use the word dying, but it's kind of from my my own perspective anyway. Is it what's it like now? Is it as popular as before? Or is it kind of going down? Um, I th- to be honest, um. Myself now, I'd, a lot of people I would be talking to would be talking Irish anyway from the start, like all my life. So, in my circle, um, like amongst my friends and stuff, we'd all be quite high Irish speakers. So, um, personally, I've never seen so, like an effect, but I think yeah, in the broader aspect, um, there is um whether it's dying, it like I said, it's a hard thing to say, but I think there is yeah. a bigger emphasis going on at the moment trying to promote it. Um, and trying to just bring it back into more daily life, I think, uh, which is a, which is a great thing. It's a great idea. Definitely, I'd be watching a football game there on um, TG Catter, and I I'd be like a a rabbit sucking headlights like out of a clue. All I'd all I'd <laughs> understand is when they say a goal or the ball or a point. That's all. That's as far as my Irish goes. <laughs> uh, I want to be the best. Um, did you do you have any siblings or are you an only child? Uh, I have a brother and sister, both younger, so I'm the, I'm the eldest, and um, yeah, so um, they're um, they're both now like three, like I'm thirty now, and the two, but they're both in their twenties, and the same as me, they went to school, Oscar, and yeah, so um, Keon, both so, uh, yeah, we are very yeah. good. Um, for people that don't um, have heard your story, and I from me speaking to a lot of people, they. They've heard of it and they know what you're doing now and stuff. Do you wanna do you wanna give me a a kind of an explanation of 
what exactly is your condition? Because reading up, I you you had sight up until it was supposed to be late twenties, and you you lost it completely at sixteen. What exactly is the the condition that you're living with? Um, yeah, so I was born with a condition called retinoschisis. So it's um it's genetic, and it's like that. Like we we always knew I was going to lose my sight. Um, but as you said, it was meant to be kind of mid mid twenties, kind of like adulthood. Yeah. But it happened when I was sixteen, so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a, a great a great time to be honest. Um, but I've always been vision impaired, so I was never I I never had full sight so I'd always yeah. um and uh, even growing up when people were like just asking questions especially in school because you know kids are straight out like what's wrong with you and I'd be saying that I'm 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 half half blind I'm half blind not fully blind just just half blind but um yes yeah, so I never had full sight but um kids are so straight up these days oh, I am my little cousin Lily Kate she's only five I think but she was she climbs up on my lap on the wheelchair if I'm ever on the phone and that's the end of me, the knife's plan cartoons. But <laughs> like you said, the children, she was on my lap the last day sitting down and I was showing her pictures of me before my accident. And mm. um, she, she kind of looked at me and she was puzzled. And she goes, so you mean to tell me you actually got up out of your chair? <laughs> Straight out. Straight out. No, no beating around the bush. <laughs> And do you no, know why? Are. Do you know why you um? Is there was there an explanation, or do you know how come you lasted at sixteen and it was supposed to be later? Um, I think it was just kind of, it was just one of those things that kind of happens, like because the condition I have, I'm actually I think the worst case in in Ireland. So I think even from the start, I was a bit there. All the facts weren't there. So when they were saying mid twenties, I think it was just the way it was going at the time that's where I was looking but like that um it just it just kind of went went downhill very fast and there was nothing there was, like it was something that you couldn't keep track of like I said it just like it was just 16 and I kind of woke up one day and it was kind of one eye and a while later I was just gone the other eye there was no what was that day like because reading up and you like I was saying I can only imagine like waking up one day and you're fully blind in one eye like you said what was that like? Did you, what, um, that exact moment, like that must have been a, a huge shock that it happened so quick. It was. And I think there was, there was quite a lot of denial. I won't lie. There was kind of, yeah. Yeah. I think it was one half, my say like one half of my brain was like, I know what's happening. The other half was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm not, I'm just not accepting this whatsoever. And I said, there was a lot of just denial. Um, like I knew it was happening and like, I could accept it happened. I just couldn't accept why it was happening. If that makes any yeah. sense, it was just as I was like in conflict with myself. Um, when like when the sight in the first eye went, like it was bad, and I think I like I remember just telling people about it. Um, and it was it was just it was hard, but it it was just like it was just the one eye. Like you know, instead of the other eye and like that, not long after, yeah, it was, it was gone. Because I do remember, like for my like my sixteenth birthday, I could I did have some bit of sight, so like that's, that's really... yeah. But by the end of that year, then it was gone. Like like that's what I remember. And like you said, you were kind of in denial at the at the start, and that's that's perfectly normal. Like I was the same when they mm-hmm. brought me up my wheelchair first. I kind of looked at them and I was like, I'll be grand in a few days. But like you said, 
denial it's it's part of life and everyone that goes through something like yourself it's obviously going to be part of the of the story before you um you lost the sight and both eyes you said that you were always kind of visually impaired from from when you were born how much sight did you actually have before that um so i would have had enough to kind of like walk around on my own um watch television like i would have been sitting close to television but like and like still able to watch it perfectly would have been able to play like video games and stuff like that um wouldn't have been allowed to play much sport just for <laughs> health and safety yeah. reasons but like that it was i'd still be able to be out it's even even in school like out in the park out like playing uh running around but so it was it wasn't the site wasn't great but it was i was it was functional um yeah. but then saying that say in class then i'd have special glasses they were quite thick glasses and i kind of I'd have a, mon- a monocular, so it was like just a one-sided monocular just to read the board, um, is it? Boards, yeah, things like that. So there was ways around, and like that, no one really, because everyone kind of knew, because like, like I said, it was it was it was always there. So even grow, growing up with um, the same people in the class, everyone kind of just knew it was just what it was. So there was never any kind of awkwardness or anything like that. Yeah, and that's like you said, that's a a good thing. Um, when you were when you are going through, say, school at a young age and stuff, was there any, was there any kind of, an aspect of, I suppose, not bullying, but did people, because you you know, kids are like just as well as my myself. Was there was there any kind of hard times like that that people were saying stuff or anything? Um, to be honest, not that I can think of, because like I said, everyone kind of always knew from the start, like what what the story was. But maybe there was, maybe I was just, maybe I was ignoring it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything like that. Yeah. And that's, that's good because a lot of people that go through stuff like this, you know, especially nowadays, I think it's worse than it was kind of before, like, you know, even on the school playground, people get bullied. But nowadays when they go home, it continues because it's over the, the phone, whereas Years ago, oh, yeah. you know, there was no phones. It stopped at the gate. Exactly what happened in school, stayed in school. And you could kind of, I won't say deal with it, but you could wrap your head around it, maybe um, kind of contemplate what went wrong. How, how can they fix it? But as you said, now there's no escaping. There's no, there's no mental escape from it whatsoever. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, moving on to, I suppose, life now and stuff. How are you? How are you getting on these days? Are you... Because you, from speaking to you now and even reading up about you, you seem to have a very positive mindset. Um, yeah, things are going, things are going well. Um, can't complain too much, I suppose. Um, no, life, life was good. Um, happy out, uh, working away. Um, delighted with life. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that's um, uh, that's sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, don't don't be silly. Um. <laughs> Life now you're you're working on um with Virgin Media I believe is it? I am yeah so I'm I'm the continuity announcer on Virgin Media two so if you're ever watching Virgin Media two in the evenings, I'm the guy that kind of comes on before and after shows to tell you what's coming up and give you details on programs and kind of try and throw in an old joke every now and again. To kind of yeah yeah. <laughs> carefully. Carefully. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know I know I I I used to 
to hear you before Love Island there when when it was uh-huh. on. You, uh-huh. it's only when you um when you hear your voice and talking to you now, you sound the the exact same. I remember there about was it three four weeks ago that I seen on Twitter that you um when you were doing the announcing before show you actually kind of put told people that you are blind. What was that like? Uh, it was strange. Um, like I said, it, like it wasn't a. I didn't make a big deal out of it. It was just I said the words that I like. I'm blind in one in one of the links, but like that, now people at home wouldn't know who I am, and they don't know I'm blind. So it was just a bit. It was strange just to say something really personal like that. Um, yeah. but it was nice. Like I said, like um, it didn't like it didn't get any bad bad feedback or anything like that. It was nice. There was no. Like it was, it was not major. Like it was neither one win nor the other. It was just normal. Everyone, um, found it nice. Um, but like I said, it was just nice to kind of just relate to people, kind of yeah. just put a bit of personality out there. Um, but that it was the first time that I would have said it. Like I've been, I've been with them now for just over a year, and uh, working for them, and it was, it was just like I said, it was just nice. It was. Um, Did it kind of take a? I suppose not a weight off your shoulder, but was it good to to let people? Known more of an insight into your life, I think so. Yeah, and it was just even for other people who who you know, who'd like to get into media and stuff like that. It's nice, I think, sometimes to know that that there is people you can relate to because, like, like I don't think there's ever been any other blind continuity announcer, and I do know oh. other people with disabilities like who love to get into media. But media is it's a t- it's a tough industry to get into. Yeah. Um. And like when it comes to having a disability, every industry can be dis- difficult. So I think sometimes when you know that there's other people there, you kind of it helps kind of definitely that to know yeah, that there is other people you know that aren't fully you know like able. They might have different types of of disabilities. It's great to kind of show people that you can still get into it. Like you said, um, media. It's it's a and I know myself. It's a it's a hard game to. To, to get into but um I suppose especially in your your case did you ever kind of face or face rejection or anything go, going into a job um oh, um kind of um so like it is tough and like I have gotten um a few rejections over the years and yeah. some of them have been quite um fl- flowery we'll say they've 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 said it in such ways that they, they're like we're we're saying it in nice ways, so it's not a bad thing. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's the usual. It's like, oh, the, the, like I've had, oh, the the industry just isn't ready for someone like you yet. And really? They, yeah, and I'm like, what what does that even like? What do you what do you mean? And it's just and it's they don't want to invest in someone who would need extra, um equipment say and like that there's there's grants there's everything out there for for them to do that but it's 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 the fear it's the fear of hiring someone with a disability yeah uh, what if something goes wrong even though nothing might go wrong but it's the fear but like i said i've had the words the, the industry just isn't ready for people like you I said so many times it's not even funny at this stage um that obviously that obviously make you feel feel down because i know myself to, to make me feel feel down do you think that um like you said, they're not, they're kind of not ready for us. Do you think that when you got into Virgin Media now that that might open a gate and an avenue for other people 
with disability scan into media? I think so. Um, because like I said, um, it it knowing that there's people out there who can do these things, um, like there's proof there. That's the proof. If if someone with a disability or whatever sort of diversity has a job, it just proves like it is possible. It's it's there. Um, and these excuses and like it is some of it's fear. It is fear on yeah. on the employer's behalf as well, and um, like kind of fear and ignorance. But it's it's twenty twenty two. You can't like it. It's it's no longer. It can't be an excuse any longer. Really, can it? It's oh, um, no, it's not good enough, really. Oh, it's not. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you um? Did they they got on to you through um? Because I follow you on LinkedIn and stuff, and you you're always kind of posting different links and stuff that that you that you're saying before programs on on Virgin Media. Was it true that that they they discovered you, or did you apply? Um. So actually, I I was uh, applying for a radio job down in Cork, and like that, every time I apply for a job, I always put my demo up online. Just yeah, just a lot of people can just draw it. I, I was even from being on the course in Radio Kerry, it was always told, always put stuff up online. Whether you think it's good or not, it, it other people will, because I think you're you're always going to be your own worst judge. Like you're yeah. always going to think what you're, you're doing isn't good. But um, I was always told, put it up. So I did. I applied for a job in Cork, a radio job, and put my link up. And a few days later, I got a message from my now boss um, in, in Virgin, um, Lara Lenehan, and she um, actually just heard that link and uh, she said it, it, that my voice was a voice that she, kind of the voice they were looking for. Um, had had I submitted a demo on a, to, to, the, to a part-time job that they were advertising? And like I hadn't because, let's, let's be honest, like a blind man working on television isn't exactly what you'd assume. Especially Virgin Media, it's one of the biggest outlets out there, you know, on TV. Yeah, so um, it was actually when she, when she messaged, I was like, at first I was like, is this is this real? But like I, I double checked and it was, um. So that was a Thursday evening, um, and I said, yeah, I'd be interested. So she said, send me the e- her, my email address. I did, um, and she sent me on a task to do, and she said that she needed it by ten o'clock the next morning, which Jeez, was it was a quick turnaround. I know so. it, it, oh, it was <laughs> it was it was uh, it was actually like almost being at work like the first task was initial it was we need this by tomorrow morning deadline and so I, I sent it in um and um i heard nothing back and there's nothing worse than when you sent something in and you hear nothing back and oh it's the fear it was, isn't it oh stuff and then it was the start of the next week um and i just messaged kind of being cheeky kind of like oh just wondering uh if you say, uh, got my email and then she messaged back saying um joe but looking for my phone number um, because she's got some good news and I'd progressed on to the to kind of the final part of the, of the interview process. So that was absolutely fantastic. That's amazing. It's a credit yeah. to you like, to know that, that you did get through that. And like you said, it was a, a quick turnaround. Do you think that, um, because even my own situation, sometimes I do, do you think that being blind is harder to, to hit deadlines? Um, I, I think so. Yeah, it can it can be because like that. Um, th- um, when it comes to technology, sometimes it kind of just slows things down. Yeah. But yeah, but sometimes I feel like if, if there's a deadline, you almost you push yourself a lot more. 
And I think, but I think when you have a disability as well, you've, you've an extra thing to prove. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause but, you um, don't want the, the boss to be thinking in the back of her head just cause he has a disability. Will he make it? And I yeah. think it's great then when you do make it because kind of, it shows the, the boss and stuff and the, the company that you are capable of reaching these deadlines mm-hmm. just as quick as, as anyone mm-hmm. else. How common is the, the condition Dara, that you're living with in Ireland? I know you said you're one of the worst cases, but even all over the world, is it a very um, common, common? I, I don't think so because like the only other person I know that has it would be my cousin and he'd have a much milder, um, fortune than I would. Um, is it genetic? Other, it is genetic. Yeah. But other than that, like other than the two of us, I actually don't know anyone else who has it. And, and like, I know, <laughs> I know quite a few people who are blind or vision impaired and I've never met anyone else with it, which is unusual. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is, um, it is genetic. I, I was kind of wondering that myself when I was, when I was doing my, my research with, um, with working for Virgin, was it, it was obviously kind of at the end and during COVID that you, you started working with them. What was that like? Because I know you're working from home now doing the links, are you? I am, yeah. So obviously Virgin Media Television is based in Dublin, but I actually do work uh, from here in Chile. So thanks to, you know, modern technology, everything just I can do everything at home and it all gets sent up to Dublin and um, sent out on air. But um, yeah, it was, it was weird during, because like, yeah, it was weird that I got the job during COVID because obviously COVID for everyone was just such a strange time everything was very unsure not no one really knew what what we were doing and like that i got a job during it which was just very bizarre but, better um, again like you know that yeah it was just and the fact that you can work from home as well it kind of just it's it, ideal it just, yeah ideal um but yeah it was lovely and um actually um she going back going back to um you know about my boss and you know deadlines and kind of being blind and stuff like that it was actually about two months into the job before i before boss actually even realized i was blind so that was a it was a fun really? con- that was a bit of a fun conversation what was her reaction um it was very it was very good it was actually um very expressive um a lot of language use i don't think i can, I can say on air she was um, really excited <laughs> very happy she was um shocked and surprised she was um and it, none of it, none of the shock and none of the surprise was negative. It was all positive. It was fantastic. She didn't care. Um, she was, she was just as delighted, um, because she now can, she's learning as she's learning as much as I'm learning. If that makes sense, yeah. because, um, we're learning how to get around certain certain aspects of the of the job, and she's actually then put those into other like when working with other people she's actually used those really so like we're all learning as we're going along i think that's what she loves as well about um like having someone with disabilities like it, it does open up the world to a, a broader it does 100 percent kind of open um, different avenues like you said she can she can you know and if another blind person tries to apply at least she can say i have one already yeah. and he's doing absolutely perfect I, I I remember reading when I was doing my research, there's one in there's oh is it there's fewer than one in four people with a visual impairment that get employed, is it? Uh yeah, at the moment there's fewer than one in four people with um who are blind um in, in the workforce in, in Ireland. 
Um, does that annoy you? It it does because it's a scary thought, and it's like if you if you put that into the rest of the population, like if you'd say only if you'd say fewer than quarter of the people in Ireland that were employed, there'd be a national like uproar, like you couldn't imagine it. Oh, but there'd be war, yeah. Yeah, but because it's a an a, a statistic to do with a disability, people are kind of like, oh, but sure, that makes sense. And you're like, no, no, it makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Because the one thing about people with disabilities that I've always found is that we want to work. Yeah. It it we don't want to be sitting at home doing nothing. We don't want to be on benefits. We don't want to um just waste away in the corner with a sandwich and a cup of tea. We actually want to be out there working and you're the exact same as every other employee just because you have a visual impairment you know you that doesn't make you want to stop going in and getting employed doesn't it exactly yeah what was um do you know when i you you were doing the course in in radio Kerry and i done it the year after you how did you find that course and how did it come about did you always want to get into media or was it just a because I'll explain after. Mine was a complete surprise. I'd have ran a mile before my accident if you asked me to get into media. Was it <laughs> always something that you wanted to? Um, always had an interest in media. I think, like you know, that's kind of the standard question answer, really. But like, I would have been absolutely. I've been the same as you. I would have run a mile. I would have been petrified. Like, yeah. I remember when I started the course, I used to be petrified of a microphone. There, there was no way you'd get me inside the studio. Really. Um. Absolutely, and now by by the end of it, people like like would almost be kicking me out of the studio because I just love even just to sit in there. It's just the atmosphere inside the studio is something I think you can't explain unless you, like there there's this it's an amazing feeling. But yeah. um yeah, so like I said earlier on, I I I lived in Cork for a few years because I was there for college, um, but I moved home early and uh, actually um just before my final year because my first guy dog Patsy she passed away unexpectedly and I just um <laughs> it kind of fell apart I won't lie it was um wasn't of course like because especially in your case a guide dog it's it's your your best friend you've gone now what is his name Hanson uh Hanson Hurricane Hanson yeah. what's your your relationship like with the with Hanson because every dog in the family has a a brilliant relationship but I I'd imagine in your case it's even more that special that connection with the dog. Yeah, like there is um when it comes to a guide dog, I think there's it's like it is a partnership. It's um it's a union. Like we depend on each other as much as the other depends on each other. That 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 sense it's made no sense. So um No of course we, I understand what yeah, you mean. Yeah, like we are like he needs me as much as I need him. And I think yeah. that there is it goes beyond friendship. It goes beyond ownership. It goes beyond. It, it's a completely different. It's just a different world, to be honest. Um, because he, <laughs> he gives like guide dogs give the independence. He gives me my independence that yeah. I wouldn't have had before. And like when you're out and about, when it comes to roads and stuff, like your your guide dog. Um, it's like it sounds, your nav, isn't it? Exactly, and it just sounds kind of hyperbolic, but he, they. A, a guide dog keeps you alive like they make sure you, that may, everyone just thinks oh just going for a walk but when you're out, out with a guide dog your your guide dog is keeping you alive like there is that's a bond that you can't explain 100% you have to you have to kind of because I, I, I there was talks now that I 
I want to get a, a therapy dog because my friend in America has one and the dog can go into the fridge and get the bottle of water and bring it to him. But I know my uncles and stuff, their dogs died and I killed me. Like I, mm. I'd be afraid like if I get a dog that when he dies, but like you get 15 good years out of, out of um a dog. What was Hanson? Do you know the process behind getting a guy dog in Ireland? Is it, because I know in my case, a therapy dog, it's it's crazy, the lists and everything and the waiting. What was it like getting a, a guide dog? Was the process hard? Um, so the process, it's um, you you contact uh, HQ in Cork. Um, they're on Model Farm Road. And there is a bit of assessments. There's a few assessments you need to do first to make sure um, that you know to use a long cane. Because just in case your dog gets sick, that you have something to fall back on. Oh, yeah. Um, you need to make sure they need to make sure that you do know your local area so that you can get out and about with your dog because that's the thing with with, with a guide dog. You the dog keep tells you how to get around, but you need you need to tell the dog where to go. So like that it is it is a union. So you need to know your local area. Um you need to be need to be um just ready for it because getting a, a dog is a commitment. So you need to de- assess your like your your daily life, like what's um, like how what do you, what do you get up to? Would you be doing a lot of tra- uh, traveling? Is do they come around lot? to the house and uh, like inspect your local area? They do, yeah. Like there is a good, there is a few house visits prior, um, and then when they think they've got a dog for you, because like there is there's a load of checklists. Like they do match the dog to the person. It's not the case of here's, here's a random dog. So you will get. Um, when they think they've got a dog for you, they come down, they call down to you with the dog or you go up to them, depending on you know, if, what, what, whatever is easiest. Yeah. And they introduce you to your dog. Um, but they don't tell you the name yet. They just introduce you as just a dog, just a really? random dog. Um, they bring you for an initial walk just to see how you get on. Just um, you like you're attached to the dog despite like, like a normal lead and the handle, the, the standard guide dog handle. But, the, the trainer is also attached to the dog by a long lead just for an extra bit of control because yeah. it's the first time you walk with the dog. Um, and then you see how you get on, how do you feel? Because there is, does you need to be as comfortable with the dog as the dog needs to be comfortable with you? And then if you are, and if you're happy to go ahead, um, they, they give you the name of the dog so that you can kind of, that's the next, that's another level of bonding because there's a lot they of They obviously power, train with the name, do they? Yeah, they do, yeah. And then after that, you head down to down to Model Farm Road uh, for three weeks of in- intense training with your dog. So you Great. go through everything from just from grooming to walking out and about in random places that you wouldn't know. But the dog, in this case, the dog actually does know these locations. That's the only exception is that yeah. when you go home, the dog doesn't know. So you need to be on point. But in those situations, the dog is used to those routes. So it's good that way. Yeah, 100%. What was it? It's like um during COVID because I'd imagine with a guide dog during COVID and social distancing it was obviously kind of I suppose a shock to you and everyone in the world but especially to a guide dog do you know it because they're obviously not trained to be two meters social distancing apart what was that yeah. like was it was it tough on him yeah there was there there were a few um tough moments during it especially to start like that when people. Would like they they expect you to move out of the way as much as they would, but sure the dog doesn't understand social distancing. The dog is just doing his job as normal. 
Um, so yeah, the social distancing at the start was very difficult. There was a lot of just awkwardness. If you just, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, did you get out for? I know you said you love walks. Did you? Was this? Did it restrict you more going out for walks, or did you get out as normal? Um, normal enough. Um, because where we are now in town, like I said, we're over towards Manor, so it's nice that. We can we can go for a walk and you're kind of in town next minute minute if you keep going far enough you're kind of out in the country so it is nice that way, um and that's still still within your two your two kilometers at start um yeah <laughs> but um, but it was nice it was um we did we did we did get out for the, the morning walks but like that we there was no working walks into town or anything like yeah. that that was quite restrictive and. I think we both we both got quite sick of each other there for, um around the middle of it we were sick kind of sick of seeing each other around the house. Um, like two brothers. Yeah, exactly. Um and until it came to dinner time, then I'd see I'd see him without failure at, at four o'clock every day. It's like, where's my dinner? Uh, he knows but, uh, what he knows what he wants. What was <laughs> it like um traveling with Henson? Do you know have you been abroad with him and guide dogs there? They're obviously allowed to go on planes, I presume, are they? Uh they are. So um I've only been abroad with Hansen once, um, back in twenty eighteen. So it was it was just before I started the course, uh, the radio course. And sure after that, then uh, COVID kicked in. So you know there wasn't there hasn't been much traveling since. But uh, hopefully now that things are going back to normal, we'll be out. We'll be back out and about. But um, yeah. So Hansen has he's been to London. We've um, we've been he's been to London once and like that, <laughs> and managed to go right in the middle of summer. In the middle of a London heat wave, so he was not he oh, was not geez. too impressed. He was not too impressed with me, but um, it was great, and we got the we could fly from far and far as well, so that was really handy. Oh, that's love, ideal. Oh, love far and far, absolutely love it. Is um, um, do you know the way you were saying that it took a a while for your boss to find out that you were blind, and it was like you said a few months later or something? Did um, I know the line? Not every disability is visible, and. Mm. It's so true because obviously in my case you can see they're in a wheelchair or if someone has a amputated leg you can see that they have a prosthetic but in your case it's not visible. Have you found yourself in that situation with people many times? Um, kind of. Um, like that. Like if I'm out and about with with Hanson and stuff, he kind of gives it away. But if I'm out just on my own or like even on a night out with 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 friends and stuff like that, you do get a bit of kind of strange comments and stuff like um but no it's like never anything anything bad um but like you do have to explain to people and they know you always get that like oh but you don't you don't look blind or oh you don't yeah. look disabled and like what does what does that even mean like i didn't realize there was a look <laughs> didn't realize we were meant to go around with a big sign going hi yeah, by yeah. The way. like <laughs> but um yeah, so there's been a few funny conversations like that, never anything bad. But um like when I when I was in town there a few weeks ago, I was going pulling into a blue parking space, wheelchair parking, and mm. um this fella he just pulled in, in front of me, he had no badge or nothing, he was driving a van, but um I had to park up the top of the street and when I came down I kinda waited for him and I kinda I kinda gave out to him, do you know that? And he mm. was like, Oh, I didn't know that you were handicapped he said and all this kind of comments and stuff but I because I when he said that I was biting my tongue not to to, to tear into him giving out but I just said 
when I was leaving, I said, you'll never know when you might need that blue parking space. Yeah, exactly. You know, after, and it's, it's, it's so true, isn't it? It's a uh, stop. It's, it's so true. It's so true. What is um technology like in your life now? I was, I was very interested to ask you this question, like, do you know, assistive technology, do you know, when you were even coming on here now talking to me and we were texting yesterday, is it um a lot of kind of voice commands or how do you get around technology on a daily basis? Um, so I deal with a lot of um screen readers. So it's like software that goes onto either your phone or your laptop or any kind of modern technology and it it will tell you what's happening on the screen and kind of what you're doing as you're going along. So I use an iPhone. Um so the, the, the software is automatically built into the into a, into an iPhone, so it's really handy. And whatever you're doing on the screen, whatever, whatever your like your finger touches or when you're typing, it will tell you exactly what happens. And like that, then when you send a text message, like with, like when you were texting me, everything everything you said, would, the phone would just read out. Really. Um. Yeah. So it's um. It's really handy. It's very. It's come along. It's come a long way. Um. Because I remember. And it's only you, better. You, it's going to get. Exactly, because even the voices, which sounds like a very basic thing, but the voices these days are much better than um they used to be. Because I remember the first bit of sc- uh, screen reading software I got, which I would have been back in first class, um, and it was very robotic. That very really kind of standard, um, kind of robotic tinny voice, and now they almost sound kind of kind of human, which is almost kind of terrifying. But um, yeah, they've come a long way. Can you um can you read Braille? No, um, I can't. I did start learning years ago, actually, not long after I lost my sight. Must so be very of, difficult. It it is. It's one like it's like any language. People who do it from the very start, very easy for them, but it's quite hard to learn later on. Like I, it's yeah. it's possible. It is possible. It's one of those things you have to kind of stay on top of. And unfortunately, I did not. Now, if I started again, I might be able to. Yeah. Um, but at the current at the current moment, um, I uh, I don't really need it because I've with modern technology. But like that, technology can fail, and then if that goes, I I'm stuck. I'm completely stuck. But um, yeah, it's it's it is nice though because um, like I I I'd have the basics still. Um, and it's a nice skill to have, but I wouldn't be fluent or I wouldn't be able to speed read or anything like that. Yeah. Something that I, I was, before we finish up, I was very interested in, and I know it might be kind of a weird question, but do you know mm-hmm. the way you had sight for, you had such a percentage of sight for so long? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, do you know when you have a, when you're asleep, when you have a dream, do mm-hmm. you, do you dream with sight? Like, can you remember from all the years back then what it's like when you're dreaming now? Uh, yeah, so I do. I um I do dream with sight, which is a strange um, a strange concept, but I still do. Um, I still remember everything when I'm like when I wake up, I can remember what I saw in my in my dreams. Um, so it's it's it is it is a really strange concept, but um, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It is. And nice. I know it might be a, a kind of a weird question to ask you, but it was something that I was I was very kind of curious about. I always I always thought what a what 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 it was like for for people in your situation i was watching a podcast there you were on i don't know it was last year or something the one leg one eye podcast is how it's called uh, yeah one yeah one leg one eye yeah and you um you in that podcast 
the three of you, I was bent over laughing. You, you were, you know, you were having a bit of, I suppose, your humor about your situation and the other two lads. How important is humor in your in your situation? Um, I think it's really important. I think um, like ev- everyone's level of humor obviously is different, and it's very um, like re- humor is relative. But I think it's really important. I think. I'm not saying you have to, like you have to laugh at disability, but um, if you if you stay in the dark, you'll you live in the dark. I think you just need to have a bit of humor, laugh about it, and just is that even laugh at it? It's laugh at the situations you end up in. Yeah. Um, because it's a good way of bringing the story to other people, and even though it might be a funny story, it'll get people thinking about the situations into which you can like, with a disability into which you get and. It makes them, uh, got other people think, um, be they someone with a disability or not. But um, no, I think humor is a great, is a great, um, it's a great medium for conversation starting. Yeah. Um, I think it's just really important. And um, two more questions out before we finish up. Do you have any plans or ambitions for the, for the near future? Do you have any, I suppose, goals or do you want to get traveling anywhere more or do you have any plans? Um, no, I really want to get back traveling. That is definitely something because, um, like that, obviously before COVID and like, um, before, um, I had Hanson. So like I said, Hanson, my second guide dog. Um, but with, with Patsy beforehand, she and I would have traveled quite extensively, um, extensively. We would have been, um, to UK a couple of times, um, I lived in I lived in the US for a while with her, and um, really, I was I really really miss traveling. It's one of the, it's one of my passions. Other like outside of media and just radio and television and all that kind of stuff, traveling is my other passion. It's my other my other great love. I think. Does and, it uh, um Does it drive you mad if you're out with Hanson walking and people? Because I remember once when I before my accident, there was a woman out training guide dogs and they had the vest on and I went up rubbing it you know I didn't think twice do a lot of people come up to you and rub Hanson like does he kind of wear a vest to say or does it because that must be kind of annoying if people come up rubbing him when he's trying to do a job for you um it can be but I think the as I always say if you ask before doing it it that's that's the big that's the big difference so if you ask oh is it okay if I say hello um it means a lot because that way you can settle the dog, you can get them sitting in a certain position. And so that when you take off again, there's absolutely no change to your, to your, um, travel, to your, your path. And it's sort of looking for your path. And yeah. So like I said, always ask. And if the person does say no, don't get offended because you don't know what's actually happening. Yeah. You don't know that that, like the person with the guide dog could be in a rush um, could be running for something, and if you like, by just you stopping for a few minutes, it can it can derail like someone's plans. It can make a big a big difference. So always ask, and but never get offended if the person says no. And like that, just think of think of yourself that they don't know what's happening in your head. You don't know what's happening in their head. Absolutely. And when Hanson goes home, when the vest does come off, or you mm. see like any other dog to see. Love to get excited on um, our own and stuff. Yeah, he's um, like I said, Hurricane Hanson. He's um, he's a messer. He's an absolute messer. He's um, <laughs> we have a Jack Russell as well, and two of them like they they would destroy the house if you weren't paying attention to them. They're 
they're always fighting they're always like wrestling like she's tiny she's a tiny Jack Russell and he's like he's a, a Labrador he's like 30 he's 37 kgs oh, and like oh for, see the two of them fighting and there's you like, he thinks she he, he thinks he's small she thinks she's huge and it's just <laughs> they destroy the gaff they absolutely wreck the place you have to uh, you have to you have to make sure so that they they don't go mad inside in the in the house Ah, oh, stop! They're they're brilliant together. Dara, come here. Thanks so much for for coming on. Now, and I really appreciate your time coming on and sharing your story. And I know a lot of the the listeners and stuff will will love it because it's it's very interesting and it's the first um person with a visual impairment that I have interviewed. So thanks, a million for your time. Thanks you so thank you so much for having me. It was um it was a pleasure. It was actually it was brilliant. No, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show and I appreciate you tuning in as always. If you have any questions or requests for next week's show, you can get in contact with me through my Instagram, enoconnell321, or through my email address, ioconnell at radiocarry.ie. I hope you're all having a great week. Stay tuned into Radio Kerry because Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. I'll be back at the same time next week from 8 to 9pm. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.